This morning, I have the, uh, the privilege of speaking to you on a subject that has been dear to my heart. Um, you know, we've been in this series called Pressing In, and it's allowed each preacher to, to kind of give you whatever he or she thinks is their word for you. But we also believe, obviously, that it's through the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit that each of us has a unique voice, has a unique story to tell also, but also that for each of you that you can be blessed. And this morning, I want to talk about healing. I want to talk about healing. I grew up in a church where healing was common. It was uh, sought after. And maybe you grew up in a church context where healing was not prayed for. Maybe it was not expected. Maybe you didn't believe that you were able to get healed. But this morning, I am here to tell you this morning that I believe, we believe as a church, that Jesus still heals today. That Jesus still heals today. And don't get me wrong, I have, we have all these questions. Even growing up, I had, uh, even though I saw these miracles, I had questions in my own theology of healing. And there might be some of you here this morning who have questions, does Jesus really heal? Does God still heal today? And I can stand here boldly because I know that in the future, in the eternal glory of Jesus and his return, that yes, yes, all pain, sorrow, and suffering will, will go away. That he will bring an end to that. But I also believe that now, Jesus does the same. Revelation chapter 21 says it this way. I'll skip to verse four. That Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That is the assurance of my faith. That even in the now, even when I don't see it, even when I pray, and I pray multiple times for God's touch upon someone's body or my own, that even if that doesn't happen, yes, I still have this eternal glory, this eternal provision. And maybe for you this morning, you're struggling with the fact that what about my body? I'm struggling. I'm in pain. My sister is struggling. My uncle is struggling. My parents are struggling. A few, a few weeks ago, we had a friend, a colleague of ours here at this church who also works on staff, Bonnie. I'm not sure if you've heard of her story, but four and a half years ago, January 2017, she started having pain in her abdomen area, in her midsection. And through all these tests, all these things that she had to go through, the ultimate diagnosis was gastroparesis, which is ultimately paralysis of the GI tract. It is no longer able to digest any solid food. We've been praying for four and a half years over and over again. Every conference that we went to, anytime we, occasionally uh, in, our, in our meetings, we would pray for her, and we never saw healing. She would have to blend everything that you and I enjoy eating, whether it's a burger, whether it's salad, it had to be blended. In fact, 
this June 2021, we went to the general council of our denomination, and she actually purchased a portable blender so that she can actually manage the food. Because everything that she ate was through a straw. Everything. June 2021, Wednesday night, the first week of June, there was a healing prayer service. And by the end of the service, we believed that she was healed. That morning, she was trying to find ways that she can eat. By Thursday lunch, she was eating General Tso's chicken. <laughs> then we had barbecue. Then we had burgers. See, Jesus still heals. Four and a half years. Imagine one day you wake up and your body stopped doing what it was meant to do. Your whole lifestyle changes. And then another day, four and a half years later, it starts to work again. We're called to be a new creation in Christ, amen? See, even on this side of eternity, healing is possible. Healing exists. I'm gonna read from the Gospel of John, chapter five. It's just a few verses. But it reads this way, and it's a man, it's a man who has been uh, paralyzed for, for years. And it begins this way. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, or porticos. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel uh, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, Take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Amen. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find miracle stories. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus walking on water. But one of the most common miracles that Jesus worked was physical healing. Was physical healing. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this subject today is because maybe you're like me when I was younger and you didn't think this was possible anymore. I hope that this passage, Bonnie's story, our church family's stories of healing, restoration will come true. Why? Because I want us to be activated in our faith. I want us to know that healing is still part of our very Christian existence. Let me just set the scene for a second. In John chapter four, Jesus heals a man's son from a distance. By the end of the Gospel of John in, in chapter 20, he says it this way, the, uh, the writer, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
So the reason why we're talking about this, why we're talking about healing is so that you and I may believe in Jesus the Christ and that you and I may have life. That you and I may have life. John chapter four, the previous preceding chapter, Jesus says to the man whose, whose son was healed from a distance, he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And so for some of us, you have to see signs. I saw signs and I still didn't believe. But for some of us, we need these signs so that we believe, so that you may have life, so that I may have life. But let's think about this for a second. This man, he's been laying there for 38 years. He's been laying on the same section, probably. He's been laying on a mat for a long time. Here's one thing I think I can get from the text. He was probably not born this way. Why? Because usually in Scripture, in the Gospels, it tells us, the writer will tell us, this person was born this way or was not. The second thing that we know about this person for sure is that he was alone. His response was, I have no one to put me into the pool, into the water. I have nobody. No parents, no friends, no helper. So he was alone. Another thing I think we can kind of understand from the passage is that he believed in miracles. Why? Because he would be at the side of the pool hoping that when the water is stirred that he can be the first one to get in and be healed. So he believed in the supernatural. But I think that another thing that we can pick up from the passage is that this individual, this man, believed that if he works fast enough, if he works hard enough, if he was the first it is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. That's why when Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be healed, his response was, sir, I have nobody. Which also implies, I believe, if I had somebody, if someone helped me, I could get healed. But I think another thing that tells me is that he believed that his healing could be earned. We believe that healing is a gift. If he was the first one in, I think a lot of us actually have that mentality. If we serve more, if I was better at praying, if I had more faith, I could be healed. It's no different from this person here. John 7, he says, his response, sir, I have no one to put me into the water. That was his response to a simple question that Jesus asked you and me. Do you want to be healed? What is your response? He doesn't even respond to yes or no. His response is an excuse. This is why I have not been healed yet. John Calvin, the great reformer, he's actually, I think, translates it a little bit better. Do you want to be made whole? Why? Because I think there's two issues at stake. 
It's not just the fact that he can't move, but it's the other fact that he recognizes that he's alone. It's not just a physical healing that he needs, it's an emotional healing. And maybe he feels betrayed by his family, maybe he feels betrayed that all of his friends have left, and I know many of us know that feeling. That many of us have experienced sitting alone by a metaphorical pool waiting for something good to happen, but we have nobody to help us. Do you want to be made whole? Imagine for a second, you're this person, and for 38 years, you're watching other people get healed. I think many of us have prayed for years and years, like Bonnie, for healing. Imagine for a second, you see some person, you know, you're this man, and you've been laying there for 38 years, and the water's starting to stir, and here's some New person, for the first time, they come in with 50 people, gets dunked in the water, and he's healed. I think ultimately the first question that I would start to have, why not me? Maybe you, and, you have struggled with this. Maybe you have prayed for somebody, and that person has not been healed yet. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's you. And I think some of the, the cycles of the uh, questions that we start to ask is, is God truly powerful enough? God, you say that you're a healer, but you're not healing, so let me try to understand you. You must not be powerful enough. And if, you're, if you are powerful enough, then there's another question that you should ask. Do you care? And if you've gotten to that question, do you even care? Maybe you're like me and you've asked this third question, do you care about me? And then you start to ask and your identity in Christ begins to waver. I had a friend, he was the best man in my wedding. And he was 23, 24, first year in medical school. Perfectly healthy guy. About six months in, into his uh, first year of medical school, he started to lose vision. He has something called the detached retina. It's not something that cannot be restored. It's actually, I think science can definitely do something about it. And I don't know exactly the, the probability of, of healing, but it's relatively uh, possible. He started to ask that question. And he started to go into basically what I call the abyss of existential crisis. Why? Because our identity was not secure enough in who Christ was. And so for two years, he really struggled. And the question that he came back to over and over again that really disturbed him was, if you are powerful and you can do something about it, then why don't you, God? And he couldn't answer that. And then he went into all these other questions, and I, I know some of us have asked these questions. God, if you are powerful, and you do care, and you love everybody, 
then what about those who have never heard of you and who are suffering? You must not actually be who you say you are. Two years later, I caught up with him. And it seemed like his soul was kind of, you know, it was back. I asked me, hey, what happened? And he quoted the shortest verse in the Bible. Anyone know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Jesus wept. What's the context? His best friend had just died. And Jesus himself was mourning about the physical death of his friend. He saw his other friends. They were all mourning together. Jesus was late. And before he performed any miracle, before Jesus performed anything supernatural, he grieved. He wept. So you might have gone to the conclusion, the question, does Jesus love me? And my friend, he answered that question, he does love me. And it was exemplified by the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Because before Jesus did anything incredible, he acted so human. Before he did anything supernatural, he was in his natural And the answer was yes, Jesus loves me. He has not been healed. He only sees about 66% of his peripheral vision. But now, he did get his medical degree and he's an ophthalmologist. Because he wants to help those who cannot see, see. Does Jesus love me? I believe the answer is yes. I think ultimately we have to be able to wrestle with the question, do I or do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And I want to switch gears for a second because I want to empower you to know your identity in Christ. That we as Christians, we as Christ followers, have a responsibility. That our responsibility is to believe and to pray. Last week, Davi's third point was the, 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 the statement, I am empowered. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. This ain't no self-help stuff. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit the very person of God who dwells in you. Matthew chapter 10, verse five and through eight, it reads this way. That these 12, Jesus' apostles, Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, so give without paying. What does it mean to be an apostle? It means 
sent ones, those who are sent. So if you are a Christ follower, if you are consider yourself a disciple, your other description is apostle. If you believe in the kingdom of God, that you are also, have, uh, because through Christ, the kingdom of God is here, then you also have the authority and the power of God himself. And you do not have to ask Jesus to be present physically. You know through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, you have marching orders. What are your marching orders? Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Jesus didn't tell the apostles, hey, when you get to a place, call me. He didn't say, get to this place, there's a bunch of you know, healing that's needed. He didn't say, hey, hey, I'm gonna show up. He says, no, you heal the sick. You proclaim the kingdom of God is here, so the very authority, the sovereignty of God is present, and you heal the sick. Friends, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That when you pray, the heavens truly do shake? Do you believe this? That when you pray for someone who has a terminal illness, that God can heal? We have marching orders. When we are sent from the family of God outside into the world, into the workplace, into your families potentially, into your hangout spots, we proclaim the, uh, the kingdom of God is here. We cast out demons. You're like, what? You heal the sick, what? Imagine when we go forth from here and you hear all these miracles taking place. Who's gonna get the glory? It's not me and it's not you. It's, it's Jesus. Why? Because you just proclaimed this is his place. This is his kingdom. This is his authority. And I know for some of us, we, we think, oh, I, I've prayed and, and pastor, uh, no one's been healed. And so we shrivel back and we say, oh, uh, you know what? I'll let the pastors, I'll let the missionaries, I'll let the, the elders of the church pray. This is where I find assurance. And I'm a pastor. Oftentimes when I pray, God does not heal. But how am I okay praying over and over again? Because it's not my authority. The authority belongs to Jesus. I am not call, called the great physician. I'm called a servant. So I just do as he tells me to do. There's no pressure on me. Don't get me wrong. I know when you go up to a stranger and say, hey, I noticed that you're limping. Could I pray for you? That takes some guts. Anyone try that, by the way? Anyone to try that this afternoon? Amen. Watch, as soon as you leave here, by the way, you're going to go to the supermarket, you can see like everyone limping. <laughs> and we see miracles at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Only the young adults are, whew. <laughs> Friends, the power of God 
He resides in you. He resides in me. Amen? Let me end here. Going back to John chapter five and just listening to the words of Christ. It says this in verse eight. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. Get up, take up your bed and walk. Three commands. Get up, take up your bed and walk. Let me give a 30 second Greek lesson because I think it actually matters quite a bit here. But get up and walk was written in present imperative, the present indicative imperative. And what that means is that right now when Jesus says it, you're gonna do the action. But you're gonna continue to do the action. So you're gonna get up over and over again, and you're gonna walk over and over again. That's what Jesus is saying. Take up your mat is written in the aorist indicative imperative. It means you do it once in time with continual effect. Why does this matter? Because for some of us, we need to be reminded today that God already told you, get up and walk. He's taken away the mat. He's done it once forevermore. But imagine for a second, you're this person and you've had this one possession for 38 years. You're used to it. It brought you comfort. It was the only thing you could rely on. I had nobody, but I had this one thing. So friends, what is that one thing that in your life that you need to just get rid of? One time with continual effect. It says, at once the man was healed. Before he even moved, at the words of Christ, the power of his voice. Why? Because he's the creator of the universe. He says, before, he, before we even respond, he was healed. Friends, this morning, do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe this? Do you want to be made whole? Do you know somebody who needs to be made whole? A.B. Simpson, the founder of our denomination, he wrote a book called The Gospel of Healing. And in it, the very first chapter, the very first paragraph says this about Jesus. The Redeemer appears among, um, among men with both hands stretched out to our misery and need. And in the one, he holds salvation. In the other, healing. He offers himself to us as a complete savior his indwelling spirit, the life of our spirit, his resurrection body, the life of our mortal flesh. Hey, I know a lot of us are pretty confident that we're saved in our souls. But are you confident that he also saves your body? He also heals your body. I'm just gonna ask everyone to stand up, every single person, if you're able to. I'm not the faith healer. I'm not the faith healer. God is the faith healer. But we're gonna pray, every single one of us, we're gonna have our own healing prayer service right now in this next few moments. I'm gonna give us a few instructions. 
if God heals you this morning, we want to hear your story. We want to give God his glory. We believe from the first service and now our second service and throughout maybe the next couple of days that God's gonna heal a lot of us. Do you believe it? Do you wanna be made whole? Even as a church family, do we wanna be made whole? I just wanna, I want you to be bold and courageous and maybe we've prayed thousands of times already for healing, but if you need healing right now in your physical body, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. Don't be shy. And if you're not raising your hand, just look around. Look around, look around. Because remember, you are all empowered. You're all empowered by the same spirit. So if you came, if you're sitting next to somebody whose hands is raised, can you just raise one more time, I'm sorry? But people just look around, right? Let no one stand alone, by the way, because we are gonna pray in just a few minutes. But if you're with family, I'm just gonna ask that whatever is hurting, just allow someone to lay their hand or extend a hand if you don't feel comfortable. You know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But look around. We wanna, make, we wanna start to huddle around people. If their hand was raised, please feel free. Don't be shy, right? Just, again, raise your hand real quick so that we can huddle, right? For every believer, you're empowered to pray for healing. I'm just gonna pray for each of us and then I'm gonna release you to pray for the person who's hurting. In a few minutes, about five minutes or so, the band is gonna sing another song and we're gonna believe that God is, is healing people right now. So together, if you're not in a huddle, please huddle. But let me just pray for us together. Heavenly Father, God, we just know right now that you're here. That we are saved not just in our soul, but in our body. And thank you, God, for the assurance of the future. But God, we're praying right now. The kingdom of God is here right now. God, and we believe that you're gonna heal people right now. Even the worst situation, God, we pray right now. Father, we pray for the body, we pray also for the mind. God, there are people whose mind is broken as well. God, restore that. God, we leave the miracles to you, for you deserve the glory. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Continue to pray, friends.
Let's pray together. God, we just thank you, God, for the work that you're already doing in our lives. God, for some of us, we were healed right now during this service. God, we believe it, but some of us, God, the effect won't take place yet. But Lord, we continue to pray in faith. We continue to believe, Lord, that you're working and you're at work, that you haven't quit on us, that you remember us, even in our pain, even in our suffering, God. God, I pray for uh, just boldness this week as you send us out into this world. God, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here right now. God, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to see the lame walk. God, we believe, we believe, we believe. Because the blood of Jesus, your son, was powerful enough to do all of those things. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing, God, all that you've done and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.